Hey everyone, David here. I want to tell you about my music podcast, On Rotation. It's engaging, interactive, and insightful. Music mm-hmm. entwines with everything. It's something that always rings true to me. So when I need something to kind of root me, I can always go back to music in a sense, you know? Yeah. Join me each episode as we rotate through a number of topics and hear why it's the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Listen to On Rotation wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Listening or hearing music can really touch people's souls. That's your space to be like, I've been through this much and I don't have to sit back and cry about it. I'm grateful that I got to the other side. It kind of comes innate. You want to share it with other people. It's literally like my own mind speaking to me through music. You're building a community, and I think that that's the coolest thing. At the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about the music. It's about the good vibe that it brings. That's genuine connection to me. Changing the angles of all I see. Hello, everybody. Welcome to On Rotation, the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is David. I'll be your host and lovely guide. The band known as Juniper is the result of a triad of guys with different music tastes. However, they are able to make it work to their advantage as they gear up to release their debut album. All right, so remind me again who's who. Scott and Ale, right? Ale? Ale, yeah. Gotcha. And what are your roles in the band? Who's, who does what? So um, for the record, I'm Scott. Um, yeah, so I, I'm i lead singer and I uh, play the bass and also do guitar. And I'm also like songwriter, but we all we all do a little bit of that. But yeah, that's what I do. And then I'm Ale. Alejandro is my real name. I go by Ale. And uh, I'm the drummer of the band. So and then we all like play a part in songwriting and stuff. But I'm usually just the drummer. And then Shreve, who is hiding under the table, he's a, he's a guitar player. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, you said earlier we were talking about this before we got on, about how Shreve's the only one in the group who's a full-time musician, and you guys are both full-time students with the band on the side. So how does that dynamic work? Like, we kind of talked a little bit about it before, like I said, with you guys focusing on school. Are you able to still commit as much time to the band as you would like, as opposed to Shreve, who's doing this full-time? So I was going to say, I think like this year has been super interesting because as I said, I I go to school in Baltimore. So this year has been super interesting just because I've had the opportunity to be all online for school. So I decided to move in with Scott and then Shreve is right down the street, which is awesome. So we've like this year, especially we've had a lot of time to be able to not only focus on school like we have to every day, but like every night we're really able to focus on music, really create content just like really get after what we really want to do. And like, I think it's, it's definitely been different this year because like throughout, throughout the school year, I've usually been in Baltimore, but these two have been here. So it's like, we're all pretty split up throughout the year for the most part, but it's been really nice. like being back in Boston, being home with these guys and being able to like, obviously put a lot of effort into school, but like every single night, this is what we do. This is what we talk about. This is what we're putting a lot of time into is just playing music, writing music and recording our album that we're trying to finish mm-hmm. up this year. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, like when, when something's a priority, right? Like you are going to make sacrifices for it, whether or not it's healthy to, or whether you should be or not. So like, you know, yes, we're full-time students. Are we putting a hundred percent effort into school right now? Maybe not, but you know, are we sleeping the eight hours that we should be every night? Maybe not, but like that is all for the, a good purpose and a good reason. And that is, you know, there are only a certain amount of hours in the day. And so when we have something that we believe in, that we're so passionate about, like this band and this project that we're working on right now, mm-hmm. you know, anything possible to make that happen will be done. And yeah. so like, that's kind of the, our driving focus. And, you know, and Shreve, you know, he, he teaches, he, he gigs, you know, we got papers to do, we got exams to take, you know, but like, so it's all the same, you know, it's all things that will take you away for moments, but like that group chat is always flying. It's always red mm-hmm. hot. Like we, 
it's 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 constant every day and that's exactly how we want it to be yeah right yeah you kind of like the pace you're at right now i mean if, if it was a perfect world i would say well i mean we're graduating in two weeks so like yeah <laughs> hit, hit, hit the button two weeks from now this is my day all day long so yeah. that, that that's that's what i would love to be doing and i think what we and what we plan to be doing right yeah not, for not, sure not on wood but yeah <laughs> no promises no promises exactly <laughs> right but yeah, Ali, you mentioned how you guys all are being back in Boston. So did you guys all meet in Boston? Yeah, for the most part. So me and Scott, we, we'll probably dive into like the history of the band and stuff like that. But sure. we are all based in Boston. I'm from Brookline, Massachusetts. And then Scott's from Wellesley. And then we have Shreve from uh, North Attleboro. From Northboro. Northboro. Hey, you know, North Attleboro, shout out to you, but it's <laughs> a little Boston twang fly in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, we're all based in Boston. So like, it's, it's been nice to just like, cause my family moved back up to Maine. Like they, they moved to Maine during the pandemic. So it's nice to be back in the city, be back home where like I've grown up my whole life and mm-hmm. be able to go to so many great restaurants, just be with these guys, play music and just like have a great time in such a great city. Cause I'm, I actually, so I met Ale at Loyola. I went to Loyola my first year of college okay. um, and I met him the first day at like some freshman seminar and there was like some icebreaker event and I, he was literally the first dude I walked up to just to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. like college is weird. Yeah. Like, what's up? This is, <laughs> is kind of weird. But we hit it off and we actually were pretty much best friends for like six, seven months before he ever got behind a drum set and we played together. So that I think definitely aids to like the culture of the band in terms of like, we're just, you know, we're, we're best friends. So like yeah. that being shared with music is great, you know, but like, I think the foundation of being close friends is what allows for you know like honesty when it comes to like picking apart songwriting or like telling people they got to get better at something or like being accountable you know just like it, it makes everything more cohesive and i so then i then transferred to boston my sophomore year so fall of 2018 and in then february of 2019 so like what, like six months later i actually met shreve at a guitar center mm-hmm. uh, the one right by fenway park i walked in and he was an employee at the time that was promoting this new program for teaching lessons and I heard him playing and I was immediately like, what the hell is happening over here? So I just like walked right up to him, which is like, I am confrontational to an extent, but like no one loves confrontation. But I was so blown away with this dude's playing. Like never met a player, seen a player this good in my life to this day. Like it's nuts. Right. And I just started word vomiting. I'm like, dude, we got all this music we're going to write and we want to play and we got studio time and I got a band and I would love to be in the band. And he was like, whoa, slow down. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's grab a guitar and like jam for a second. I was like, Oh my God, now this is my audition for him to be in my band. So, <laughs> but basically he, uh, we played for 40 minutes and like a crowd gathered, I got his number and then like in the rest is history. But yeah, just pretty funny how I met him completely random on a guitar center, on like a rainy weekday. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I know exactly what that guitar center is. Like I know exactly where that is. I can picture it. I used to work at house of blues. Were you working at house of blues prior to COVID and then COVID I was, Yep. It was a month of glory. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we played the foundation room once. That was actually our last show before um like that was literally March that was like two weeks before everything shut down. Yeah, yeah um, it's crazy. No, House of Blues is a dream. Yeah. Hook us up. No. Well, <laughs> I move up in the ranks. I'll definitely bring you guys with me. Don't worry. I got you. <laughs> no pro- no promises though, like your career after you graduate. I got no promises on that for you guys, but you know, we can make something work. Yeah, it feels feels good already. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tie me to anything. I just met you. Uh, but something I wanted to bring up was when I was trying to like find out about you guys and just do some research, I couldn't really find a whole lot. Like I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I felt like your guys' band, you kind of have like this lack of presence or like this mysterious presence where you don't give out a lot or you don't put out a lot. It's kind of something that I feel like some artists like The Weeknd or like Beyonce, who doesn't give a lot of interviews, does. Like, would you say that's something you were trying to accomplish, or is this just or is this all like new information to you guys? <laughs> um, you know, I've never been asked that question before. I think, well, it's so. I think first it depends on like where you're looking, right? So like, we've been recently trying to make a pitch with social media promotion and like content that was like TikTok has been a huge platform for us. And like Mm -hmm. Instagram, we've been like regularly posting on, but in terms like Facebook, you know, I think it's it's a regional thing. It's an age thing, but I think we have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter page. We don't really use it as much as maybe like other groups do. And I think, again, that comes down to like the type of group, the type of music that they make, where they're based out of, how old they are. Definitely a confluence of factors. But I think 
you know, we don't try to give off that vibe of, of being this, this sort of like mystique, like hard to reach type of band, you know, like we're just like, you know, a couple of guys, but I think also going back to the point that we're full-time students, I mean, like being as busy as we are, like we want to be engaging with our fans and our audience as much as possible, but sometimes just limitations because of scheduling prohibits that, right? I think a big way that we, as a band specifically, not like singer songwriter, but band, the way that we grow best and interact with fans is, is live performance you know, when we're on stage. And so I think the last year not having that has definitely made the, the stream, like the, just the communication aspect, just the, the presence overall. I think for all groups, you know, everyone's had to take a hit and change and maneuver this, you know, this pandemic in a way to like benefit them. And I think we love to, talk with people and like and, and engage with our fans and like you know because I mean hey like you like our music like that's like what a privilege for us like that's that's, that's such a blessing so like well like we we want to share that love with you and give you more and so I think that is the plan is to give people more especially once we wrap up school but yeah we got a lot of stuff in the works right now in terms of content like we were thinking about starting our own podcast series we we're talking about we got a sustainable merchandise line that we've been working on we're looking at making like some short indie film to couple the album and like some sort of, sort of like visual story as well, like a more abstraction to, yeah. to the album. Yeah. So we got a lot of stuff in the works, but you know, I think also the fact that we're an independent band, you know, right. we're not signed and, you know, labels are, you know, and having like finance and, and, and money to back marketing campaigns and, you know, pay for press coverage and, you know, get playlisted like that. That's definitely, I think the best way that bands, surface right and like really put their foot in the door but for us you know being independent like all that all that budgeting all that content planning like that's all done in-house by like us, us two right here and it, our manager and then Sharif who's under the table still but you know I think the ultimate goal is to get signed yeah. you know so that we gotcha. can then have that backing and that support to do anything and everything that we want which includes think, engaging more with fans and I think like a lot of the idea of like what we do for like building a presence and like how we focus on that Scott touched upon it a lot but like we found like the different apps like TikTok and Instagram but TikTok especially like it's truly a fascinating way to have like thousands of people see you and see content that you're creating and a lot of it's just by an algorithm it's like mm -hmm. how is it going to get picked up like how is this going to work and a lot of it, like what we use a lot is like Spotify for artists. Most bands use it, but like we're always constantly checking like how many people are listening to us. Like, are we going down on listeners? Are we going up? And like we use that to our advantage to like know when we got to be big on TikTok right now. We need to be pushing it at certain moments more than other moments, you know? So, mm -hmm. like, starting over the summer, we started using TikTok a lot. And up until October, we had probably like 200 followers on TikTok. And now we have close to 14,000. So, I mean, it's like, it's grown a pretty good amount in the last like, six months, basically. And I think like that alone, like that presence is br bringing us new fans every single day, new, new fans to our Instagram, to our, all of our other channels, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And yeah, doing stuff crazy. like this, right? Like this is good. I mean, th th this is great. We love sitting down and talking with anybody that wants to talk with us. Yeah, we love talking. Yeah. So like anytime you want to hang out again, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you guys like talking? Wow, I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's great. Yeah, it's crazy, like all those algorithms too, and like social media presence and exposure and things like that, like they really can go a long way, um, especially like what you said for a band who's independent, and you guys are trying to break into the bigger market of getting signed or finding a label or getting that recognition. Something else I want to talk about, we touched upon this a little bit too, in the beginning was the early stages of the band, like, I noticed something that was in your bio, you said that you guys have had like a different number of vocalists throughout your career. So what was that all about? Like, have you just had different people kind of come in before you've settled on the three of you? Yeah, so so I, I started the band when I was 17, right? Like summer after I graduated high school and with a completely different lineup. And as a result, over the years of college, you know, and how turbulent that is with people wanting to make different kinds of music or people going to school across the country or people not even really wanting to make music at all anymore. You know, it's 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 so volatile. And so because of that, we took the approach or, or the to have the identity of being more of like a collective, like a rotating door of musicians and vocalists. You know, we've, we've had different drummers, we've had different guitar players, but the centering point around all of it is that I've been writing the music since the beginning. So we've had that sort of grounding element, 
But, you know, I think in the last 18 months, we've really consolidated, I think as also a result of COVID and the ability for us to kind of just press the pause button. You know, we consolidated the group in terms of the members, like in terms of what each of the members' vision and dreams are for the group and how that's all aligned in terms of the type of music that we want to be making. And I think now having the image, the sound, the band be us three, like that is the most like there, there's the most clarity right now than there's ever been. And, you know, like, th- like this feels like the group and this happened, this has been for quite some time now, you know, that's why we're, we're moving with now you know, we've released a couple of EPs, we've been releasing singles, but now, you know, with, with this group and with these, with this time, we've had to write music and work with a producer that we're a huge fan of good friend of ours. We're now like, Hey, like let's graduate college. Let's release our full, first debut album and like let's hit the ground running like, let's do this so it's been it's been a journey but um yeah that's a, i guess medium length answer where where where, where that kind of comes from mm-hmm. yeah no i get that because i was wondering that too one looking you guys up is that you've put out so much material like songs singles um a few other projects here and there but you've yet to do this full album and it sounds like you know like you said with the band kind of coming into more of a sturdy position and finding the direction y'all want it sounds like now you're at the stage where you really are ready to put out that album and you have been working on it i assume right we've been working on this album for the last like like ever since covid started i mean the whole all of our weeks really consisted of of like going up to maine to my house like where we have a little studio up there and that's where all the songwriting began that's where a lot of like the recording really began and a lot of these songs we've been sitting on them for around six to eight months but it's so nice to have the group consolidated to us three because like we are usually like the three who are obviously in agreement we have the same taste we always think that something's good if the other guy thinks it's good and it's it's just the process of making this type of music we know it's going to be the best music we've ever made because of how we've consolidated the group and how aligned we are between us yeah three. it's funny you know, how you can like how diy everything has become because of covid like studio is very generous right like we mm-hmm. just bought a shit ton of recording like soundproofing foam yeah. plastered it <laughs> everywhere and then we hang out in an eight by ten foot box you know like but it works right it's a little space that's all we need but yeah we this is definitely like this album has been recorded in probably eight different rooms like two different locations in this room. This is my bedroom we're in right now. One in my closet, one right here up in Maine in Shreve's bedroom, like just all over the place. But I guess that that's kind of fun, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, it's, it's definitely like interesting to put into like the credits when you think about it. Yeah, right, right, for sure. And um, how would you guys describe your sound? Like you kind of experiment with a bunch of different things What I from what I've noticed. Yeah, we definitely take an eclectic approach for sure. I think we always get asked this question, like, like, what type of music do you guys like to make? And it's a, it has a really hard answer, but also a really easy answer, which is just it's like the music we want to make, you know? So like sometimes I'm in a headspace where I'm like bumping a lot of Neo soul and like D'Angelo or like Mac Ayers or like, you know, that kind of like R and B vibe. And then Neo soul indie fusion song will fly out of us. And there's daydream, right? Like our single that we released back in January, you know, or, I think another thing that kind of drives the way we make music is that all of our, t- if you look at it as almost like a, a Venn diagram with three different circles and like we, ha- we definitely have a lot of overlap, but then we also have places where we kind of jet off and do our own thing. We're like Ale is super into, you know, a little bit more of like the early 2000s rock, some like harder stuff. He's like punk too sometimes. And then like, sh- and like Shreve will then kind of divest and he'll go into the more like blues, jazz, kind of like funk type of headspace whereas an I'll kind of then go into a little bit more like folk headspace but then we all meet in the middle most of the time but that's great too because then you know there are songs that we have on this album that are like this kind of neo neo soul slash like indie fusion but also songs that are like indie folk and other songs that are more like kind of indie pop and like and like more and so I think that is refreshing to us because it keeps everything feeling new all the time. I think it's refreshing for our listeners too, because it's like, you can listen to our music at one in the morning under the covers with your earphones on or in the car with your four friends on the way to the beach or like walking down the road. I mean, I love, I have a playlist specifically for walking music. So like, I mean, and so like, I just, you know, as many ways that you can listen to the music is kind of how we try and write the music. Yeah. And we all have like, we all have, 
I think pretty similar influences when it comes down to like our main influences. But mm-hmm. like Scott said, I mean, I'm like super into more of the indie type music. So I love like Pine Grove and I love like different bands like Far Caspian and yeah, um, Tudor Cinema yeah. Club and stuff like that. But we all like have a foundation of loving like Coldplay and John Mayer and, and different artists like that. So I think like we all bring our own influences to the table when we're talking about how to make the music, but it all works and coincides with each other once we make it happen. Mm-hmm. I like that comparison, Scott, the, uh, the Venn diagram. I think that works really well describing yeah, it through good you visual. Yeah. He's a student. You can tell he's a student, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Putting it to work. Putting yeah, it here's to my work. Presentation. Yeah. <laughs> Did you do that over Zoom? <laughs> that has to count for something, right? Yeah, literally. And something I noticed too, like, and we talked about this a little bit before we got on, was your latest single and video that you just put out for Out of Nowhere. You filmed that in Boston. What were you trying to accomplish with that video, by the way, just visually? Because it has like a different setup. Like the first part is very much like kind of, I got like home movie type vibes, like early like 90s, 2000s kind of video. And then the second half, y'all are playing on the roof of a parking garage and it has like a very different style to it. So tell me about that video. What were you guys trying to accomplish? So yeah, you're you're right. The the first, the first part is this, you know, DIY kind of super eight type of like low budget feel. And and it was low budget video. And I think also with the approach of having it be a single, single take, single shot, like a, a one shot the whole time with it kind of following my journey through the streets of Boston but like just through you could make a metaphorical connection to like the relationship because the song I wrote about like feeling isolated and alone while in a relationship mm-hmm. because you feel like your needs or like the the energy that you expect and like isn't reciprocated on the same level and like how hard that can be and so that first half of the song like where there are vocals like I wanted to kind of have that be like a one-on-one type of approach in terms of like hey like let me like this is like a story and this is something that can be like that resonates or at least I think resonates with people because at least it happened to me so I mean if, if I'm not alone, then I guess other people are a part of it too. But then the second half, right, is like this big sweeping, tree ripping stadium solo. And so we wanted to kind of, it almost it doesn't feel like two different songs to us, but like in terms of the arrangement and sonically how it, how it moves, I think, you know, in, because the type of video changes too, it like, it turns into this like, you know, more high end, high quality, you know, fork, I think it should be 8K footage on top of this parking garage. It's like, stunning kind of breathtaking view with like these big big skinny city skyline behind us as a backdrop and I think the purpose of that was that part of the song is such a band moment right Mm -hmm. like like there's there are some like pad like vocal harmonies that come in towards the end of his solo but like it's just the band playing and like we wanted just we wanted to highlight that so having that the first half align more with the story of the song I think we tried to achieve with that more personal approach. But then once we bring in the full band for Shreve Solo, we wanted that to be big, in your face, bright, beautiful, clear, just like the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I just think like we were trying to like really have like a moment at the end of that video. Like, like what Scott really hit on the point of like just the beginning part of the video, really having it be sort of like a DIY thing. Like you're following the story of the song and you're, you're seeing like someone kind of instill what the lyrics are and stuff like that. But that moment at the end, like we always talked about like probably a couple months ago, we were like that ending, like we need to, we just need to explode. We <laughs> just have the band go nuts, like at some location, we just need to get that filmed. Yeah, cause each song for us, like we, we chase these, like I said, we've said it a couple of times, like the idea of like a moment, right? Like mm-hmm. the moment mm-hmm. where you're like, oh yep, yeah, they sold me. That's right, yeah. Or like, like the goosebump moment, right? Where you're like, whoa, chills. And I think looking at each song that way is important. Looking at that type of moment approach for like a bulk of songs, like an album, you know, like that's something that we also are searching for. Like where, how on this album can we interject these moments where people will just be like, oh my God, I got to hear that 10 times right now. And so that's what we tried to accomplish with, with that ending solo part right there. Awesome. Cool. That's a really cool answer. I love that. Speaking of someone that like, <laughs> you, you, uh, you said one thing that like I always say when I hear music, I'm like, oh chills like that gets giving me chills yeah, like yeah. i i totally 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 relate to that what's the what's the reception been like from your fans or people that have heard your music like do you kind of get that from them or have you gotten that from them before yeah you, you know i think 
Like, yes, we, yeah, 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 yes, we have. And that is probably the most rewarding part of making music is having people tell you like, hey, like this part right here, like chills, man. I listen to that all the time. Like, I just will rewind that 15 seconds over and over. Cause I'm like, dude, but me too. You know, like, 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 but we share that now. Right. And that's, and that's so beautiful about making music with people that love your music. And that's why, again, it's such a privilege. It's like, we're not crazy. Right. It's like, like you feel this too. Right. And so that's <laughs> such a beautiful part about making music. And so, you know, people do say that to us, you know, some songs of ours, like, would be best listened to in a group of friends in a car going somewhere that you're going to probably have a great time at, right? But other times I want to listen to it if I'm alone and I'm, like, I want to be alone and, I, and, I'm, and I'm in my bed or it's late at night or it's early in the morning or, so I think, you know, people saying that they have those moments and those chill moments exists and it's cool to see the difference of like how people listen to those moments or those songs and they feel different things depending on the person, mm-hmm. um, which is like really cool. Like, yeah. like you, a lot of your friends from college like really resonate with regret. Um, That's one of my older <laughs> Yeah, one of the older songs, not not the emotion, not the feeling of regret, yeah. but like <laughs> the song that we have called Regret. Um, yeah, that could have been weirdly interpreted no but um and so like that but that's hilarious yeah you know? like, that's great whereas we have a lot of people that are like hey i love please stop calling like that song i listen to when i when i need to be alone and so like having that that wide range is so cool and that's why we love making music that is wide ranging in in sound is because then we get to connect with the most amount of people possible and that's what we're trying to do i mean i think a lot of the music that like what we've talked about like in this interview about like being eclectic and having a different sound like I think that's like sort of like one of our main goals is like we're just trying to create music that people like don't really expect and people like are just excited about sort of and I think like when we talk about those moments where it gives you like the chills like whenever we get that first mix from the producer like if I get goosebumps we're good if I don't we need to go back like it needs to it (laughs) just needs to be those little moments of like how is this song gonna make you feel? And I think for everyone, what I like about our music is like, you hear very different responses of what the song means to someone, like from your friends, from your family, to random people who message you on Instagram saying like, this song really means a lot to me for this reason. It's different for everyone. And I think that's the coolest part. Like everyone listens to our music differently. Everyone takes it in a lot differently for themselves, which I think is just really cool. Mm-hmm. Trust the goosebumps. Trust the goosebumps is the main message that we're getting from this. Taste the goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> so, where did you get the name Juniper from? It's not a super interesting story, but I was just in the passenger seat. Oh, should of we skip car. it then? I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I was in the passenger seat of a car. We drove by a street sign that said Juniper Road, and I was like, that kind of sounds nice. Uh, okay, because that's also the image on your first project you ever put out. I noticed that. Yeah. That's the that's the infamous street sign. That's the sign. Awesome. Where's the street exactly? In in Wellesley. Okay, gotcha. All right. Yeah, the town I grew up in, yeah. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, that's that's the whole story. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I could tell you its profound effect on our psyche and how we want to, you know. No, no, it's just yeah. Yeah, it's like the whole time we're talking about all this really cool and deep and meaningful stuff, and it's like comes to the band name. It's like yeah, yeah. street sign. Yeah. Nothing more. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint everybody. Yeah. But. I'm sure we're not that disappointed. We're all right. We'll make it through. <laughs> we'll make it through. Yeah. Um, and something else I was curious about, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but on your Spotify, the majority of your monthly listeners are not from here. They're actually from London. What do you guys think about that? I think it's kind of sick. You know, I'd always love to go out cross pond, right? <laughs> no, um... <laughs> Well, so kind of what all I was talking about in terms of like, so we can see that data too through Spotify for artists and, you know, understand why. And so, you know, it's interesting, like how, you know, Boston is not our top place. Boston is not in our top 10, I think, yeah. cities that like, I think it's like London, LA, Chicago, and uh, like Dallas. Um, I don't know. Cool. We'll, we'll come play for it. But for the reason for London is that, you know, we just got on this playlist the song Concrete Ocean put on a playlist that I think is based in London. Completely randomly, we didn't like we didn't talk to anybody. They didn't talk to us. It just kind of happened. We woke up one morning and we're like, well, that song got 4,000 streams yesterday and it had been getting like maybe, maybe 200 a day, right? I was like, well, this is, no, that was, I came out of nowhere. And so, yeah, it's, and that kind of goes to show like how random streaming is and how like there's no, there's no equation for success. It's like, 
that's just is so random. And now we have 4,000 people a month that listen to us in London. I mean, I think it's also just like, whoever wants to listen, I mean, that's, we're grateful for it, you know? So like, if it's London, yeah. that's the top city, like, there we go. If it's Dallas, <laughs> that's second, LA, Chicago, like, there we go. I think it's, it's going to be fun when we can start playing shows again, especially like if we can get some outdoor gigs this summer, because like, we definitely want to, we know that we're like very involved in like the BU college campus and stuff like that. Like a lot of the schools around here, we know that we're like pretty known, especially we're on like a lot of their playlists, like the uh-huh. school of BU, like you have, we're on the music playlist for them. We're on the BC playlist. We're on the uh, UMass Amherst playlist. Like we're, we're known in Massachusetts a lot, but I think it's just been hard to, since we haven't been able to play shows to like really, keep yeah. promoting that name and again like we said we're a band like that's what we want to be doing we want to be playing like six nights out of the week like five nights like we just want to be playing all the time whenever we can but it's it is interesting to see like other cities be like where our monthly listeners are and i think it's it's going to be helpful later on like when we want to like set up a little tour or stuff like that yeah. like, we'll like, know where we want to go and stuff like that yeah for sure start marking them now yeah exactly just gotta get after it we gotta make the posters tomorrow yeah. yes <laughs> yes i'm in on that <laughs> and if you guys want to go to london i got connections so let me know hey as long as i got a couch to sleep on we're going yeah that's all we that's our, that's our attitude as long as we can yeah. just either sleep in a car or sleep on a couch like we'll go through it that's rock and roll <laughs> totally totally well awesome guys this has been great i just want to know some more details about the album when you think you might have it out and also let people know where they can find you and find your music and hit you guys up yeah so we have not locked down an official date for the album release, but and we also don't really want to tell you that yet. But what we can tell you is that it is coming out in the summer. Probably the, the early parts the of the early summer. parts of the summer. And it is going to be a full 11 song album. And we have one more single that we're releasing. So we've released three thus far, one more coming in mid-May. And then we're going to be releasing the full album after that with all singles starting from Angelina are going to mm-hmm. be on the album. And you can stream us on really yeah, any yeah. platform, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Amazon Music, Google Play, SoundCloud, you know, all the above. And then you can follow us. Um, people can follow us on Instagram at Juniper the Band. Yes, that's important. TikTok, Juniper the Band. Facebook, Juniper the Band. Twitter, Juniper the Band. It's all the same. So. Juniper the Band. We are very active <laughs> on TikTok and Instagram, so... Yeah. That's where you'll see a lot of our content. Not Juniper the Street Sign. Juniper the... <laughs> Is there another account for Juniper the Street Sign? We found them quickly and we, we settled that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Case closed. There's no longer Juniper the Street accounts. It's only Juniper the Band. Juniper the band. That's all we can say legally. <laughs> <laughs> Until the lawyer comes through, he's going to bust in any minute now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, David, this was so fun sitting down. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much, man. It was really fun meeting you. <laughs> Well, welcome back to Elena on this podcast because I've had you on before talking about Taylor Swift and welcome Lindsay. Welcome. We're going to dive into a topic that you both are familiar with. Taylor Swift just put out her version of the Fearless album. It's literally called Fearless Taylor's version. The original album came out in 2008 when Taylor was only 18 and this time around She put it out with the original 19 tracks off the Platinum Edition and then six more songs that have been dubbed from the vault in her phrasing. Um, And her main intention that she was saying with this album is that she wanted to create the same but better version of Fearless. Like this was obviously a huge album for her. It really kind of changed the trajectory of her career. So there were some things that she really tried to focus on with producing this album as a better version, but still the same. So let me just ask the both of you first, Elena and Lindsay, when you listened to the album, did you feel like it was still true to the original, but it was also like done in this newer, better way that Taylor was trying to get at? I think that it was definitely true to the original. I think obviously you can hear a huge difference in her maturity and her voice, but I read a few articles and interviews that she did that said that she wanted to make it really true to the original because that's what people liked. And if she had changed it, then it wouldn't be the same re-recording. So I think that it's definitely true. You see the maturity in her voice change and there's a couple different note changes, but 
it's very similar. Mm-hmm. I agree. I really like that. I think we talked about it last time, like that we were so excited for this album. We, we were kind of nervous because we were like, if she changes it too much, like it might kind of make fans upset because like it's just her first like major hit album and like everyone kind of grew up listening to that so if like she changed it too much people might I don't know be upset by that so I'm glad that she kind of stuck to like the way it was like some songs I literally can't even tell like the difference if I heard both of them like I don't know if I would be able to tell it just sounds just like it what it was when she was 18 so but I do think it's like Lindsay said like a more mature version of her Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she was quoted saying in one article that she like went through each song line by line and listened to how she sang them and tried to focus on her inflections and then improve them on her singing now. So I think that's where that maturity factor comes in specifically, right? Like you hear it in her voice more because obviously she's much older now. And I think what's so cool is that she's the only one who knows what she, like the message she was trying to put across, how she wanted the song to actually sound. So when she does do this like re-recording, she's able to make it the way that she wanted to without anyone else telling her what she has to do. And back to like what Elena was saying, how you don't want it, you want it to be the same as the original because... Like, if it was too different, you would still want to listen to the original Fearless and not Fearless Taylor's version sometimes. So I think that that's what's so important for what Taylor wanted was that it had to be pretty similar because you don't want people still going back and listening to that original album because that's not the point of why she's doing her re-recordings. Yeah, and another reason, too, is she's doing this to get the masters back for the albums. You know, she lost mm-hmm. all those when she had that big fallout with Scooter Braun. So that's also like, right. this is also very personal for her on that side of things. Mm-hmm. Something else like that we kind of touched upon too, like the different concepts that she talks about. It's still, like we said, similar to the original. So it's kind of like she's going back to her adolescent phase and talking about romance, you know, heartbreaks, but there's also themes of empowerment and love and things like that. What are some of the songs that you two can think of that show some of those themes? I'm trying to think specifically of certain songs, but like you said, like the whole album, I feel like since it goes back to like her teenage years, when she made, when she wrote those songs and when she sang them back then, it was kind of like her on her journey and like growing up and like her first kind of experiences with love. And then now, that she can like sing it this many years later I'm sure like those lyrics hold like a very similar but different meaning to her now that she's been through like so much more over the last few years so I think that's kind of cool because I mean I've seen like videos of people being like wow I can't imagine being Taylor seeing this after like all this stuff happened like with relationships and everything she's been through and it's just like really true and like there's a whole new generation who might not have listened to the original album and are now listening to the re-release. And I think that's really cool because it's like everyone who listened to it, like us back then are listening to it now because we appreciate it so much. And then she has like a whole new audience that she's kind of attracting with it, which is really cool. But specifically my favorite songs on the Fearless album are probably Breathe. Forever and Always, the slow version that she added is just amazing. The Best Day and Change, those are probably my favorite. Gotcha. How about you, Lindsay? Fearless is my favorite on Fearless, but um, Change is also really good. I always loved the song Change, but then when I went to the Reputation tour, she re-sang, there was like one song that she would re-sing from previous albums and she sang Change and that like ever since then it's like completely like re-clicked and now I love it even more than I did originally um and then I love Mr. Perfectly Fine which is one of the new um songs from the vault that is on Fearless Taylor's version and I think that that song is so cool because we I, I think we know who it's about Joe Jonas and actually knowing the relationship that they had and like the breakup she didn't talk much about it other than the fact that he broke up with her on like a 15 minute phone call and didn't explain why but now like when you listen to Mr. Perfectly Fine you kind of get answers that you didn't have and I think that that's really cool because she's just still able to continue to tell her story from when she was how old 15 and she's able to tell it now when she's like 30 but yeah those are my favorite songs probably on Fearless Taylor's version. I think what's so like important, I read in an interview as well that she did was that 
it's so imp- important to say Taylor's version because mm-hmm. it is her version of fearless. And when we t- like type in fearless, you don't want to type in just plain fearless. You want to type in Taylor's version so that it is like the new album that everyone's listening to. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that point. That's a really good, important distinction to make, Lindsay. And going back to talking about the different songs like Mr. Perfectly Fine that are from the vault, as she's stated, those ones are You All Over Me, Mr. Perfectly Fine, as we just talked about. Um, We Were Happy, That's When, Don't You, and Bye Bye Baby. What did you guys think of those songs? Like, it's kind of really showing to know, like, she has so much unreleased material and now she's finally able to put it out. Like, was there something about those songs or those or like putting that out in general that kind of stood out to you? I think that you can totally tell that that's like when she wrote it was back in 2008 or earlier. Like the lyrics are completely different, but even the melodies and like the way that the producers produced it, it just sounds like totally like a fearless song. And I think that's what's so cool is we haven't heard a new fearless song in so long. So when we hear like these new six albums, um, six songs from the vault, it's like such a big deal to us. Yeah, I do. Like Lindsay said, the new songs are really exciting to like listen to because I didn't even like know that she had all these other like songs that she had written and wanted to include on the album. But like, like she said, like people told her you should only have this many songs on your first album or um, these songs might not like these are the songs that don't make the cut and she I think it's she's kind of making a point now by including them on Taylor Taylor's version to say like I wrote these songs I really like them I'm proud of them so I'm going to include them in my version which I think is really exciting and of course new six new songs just makes all of Taylor Nation very happy so I'm glad she did that for us. Was there anything that you think she did that you weren't expecting? Like, obviously, with those songs, we knew they were coming out. But, you know, Lindsay, too, you brought this up. Like, there were some subtle changes with some of the songs in terms of lyrics. So is there anything you can think of that was done differently? I was so thrown off guard that Keith Urban was in one of the songs. (laughs) I am, like, a huge Keith Urban fan, too. So when I saw that he was in one of the songs, that just, like, kind of like made it even more of a bonus in terms of like the differences there's nothing I was really surprised about I think that it was cool that she did a forever and always piano version like Elena said earlier um it kind of like slows the song down a lot and like really like pulls at you and you get like a deeper meaning to the actual song instead of like the upbeat version so I think that her throwing out like these different curveballs of things that we haven't heard before is just really really cool yeah I agree I think there really aren't like that many differences that I could pick up on from like the original songs she had on the first album I feel like there's just certain like words that she says in the songs or like I don't even know how to explain it like tunes that she does that sound just different than the original but not in like a bad way I just think it's like you can tell like like once you hear it, like oh this is Taylor's version not the original version um, but I think that's kind of cool I saw on TikTok that there was this one girl who's been like comparing like both versions and one of the in You Belong With Me there's a part where she in the original version she like takes a huge gasp of air because she like can't catch that note whatever's next maybe I don't know but there was a huge gasp and then in the Taylor's version there's that there's no gasp and I think that that's like a huge part where you can maybe tell that like her voice has grown so much and her music like vocal talents has improved but there's like subtle things here and there there's a couple times where like you think that she says a word past tense or at least I feel like she's saying it past tense because it was like in the past and that she's not feeling that anymore like there's a part where I can't remember the specific line but it's like instead of her saying love she loved Mm. So, and I don't know if it's just me, like, going in my head and, like, trying to, like, really pull things out, but I feel like there might be more, she calls them Easter eggs, I feel like there might be more Easter eggs that we can pull out of these songs if we, like, slow them down, especially in, like, the new songs from The Vault. Gotcha, yeah, that's a really cool point to make, Lindsay. What did you guys think of the fact that she put If Today Was a Fairy Tale on there? Because that wasn't a part of the original album, so what did you think about that being on there? I was very excited because that song was from, did you write that song for Valentine's Day, the movie, Lindsay? I think that was it, yeah. Okay, because I remember like 
being so excited that she was going to be in that movie in that song like I think that's when she came out with the song and I just loved it so much so I was really excited especially getting her to re-record that song because I like wasn't expecting it since it wasn't on the first Fearless album so yeah it's such a magical song <laughs> like yeah, it so good yeah I was curious that too because like a lot of the album like is kind of set in that like fairy tale type love setting but it's also not like there are some harder concepts too so i thought it was mm-hmm. cool how she kind of tied that in and then that like segued into the songs from the vault so i think she did a good job like putting it into a certain order too and like making the album really flow i agree with that i think one more difference that i actually like i keep thinking of different things mm-hmm. i think one more difference I mean, not difference, like similarity that she did was she asked Colby Calais to come back into the Breathe song. So she sang that with Colby Calais with her back vocals. And she asked Colby to do it again. And she was like completely honored that she was able to re-record a song from like 15 years later. So it's just so cool that so many different artists are like in on this and they totally support what she's doing. And they're able to come back and redo all of these songs for her, which is like mm-hmm. exactly what Taylor wanted. And I was reading about the, the success of the original Fearless album and like all the people that were on that team, like obviously Colby was one of them. Like, yeah, like probably they feel so honored that she wants to do this again. Like even, you know, her current production team, like they were probably like, let's do it. Like, let's recreate mm-hmm. that, but let's do it the way she wants to. And I think that she had different producers. So the ones that she used for Evermore and um, Folklore were Aaron Dessner and someone else. I'm not too sure. Jack Antonoff. <laughs> Jack Antonoff. And so I think that it's cool that like in the new Volt songs that she was using them as well. So she didn't just like completely exclude or like go back to her original, which she did. But she was also able to include Aaron Dessner, who's now like her huge like she's in love with Aaron. <laughs> He's been a huge help with her. I agree. I think like I think it's really cool that like everyone was on board with it like you said and I feel like it's good that nobody kind of tried to persuade her from like not doing it or saying oh this is a bad idea or maybe fans won't appreciate it if you're like trying to redo something that was already so successful because they already know that like basically anything she does her fans like support and she's going to be successful no matter what. So I'm glad that they were you know, on board with that. Awesome. Well, thank you guys, Elena. Thank you, Lindsay, for joining me and talking about Taylor Swift's Fearless Taylor's Version album. One last question, because we brought it up in the beginning, and I want to close it all out. Would you say that this is the same but better version of Fearless? I would say so, yeah. (laughs) I just think it's cool listening to it at now 25 years old. So, I'm definitely only going to listen to Taylor's version from now on. So I could say, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I am going to be listening to it and reminiscing on the first time that I ever heard the album, but now it's in a better way. And like Lindsay said, like now that we're older, we can make new connections with the lyrics and the albums and like just kind of connect it to everything that's kind of happened from that time to now in our own lives and also like Taylor in her own life. So yeah, it's definitely a different, but better version yep and the impact is definitely going to come back around like i've already seen articles saying that it's flying to number one in the uk it's probably going to be number one in the u.s like she's she's Mm -hmm. unstoppable at this point she's going to have she's going to have another number one i feel it it'd be interesting to see if that would an album like this be nominated for a grammy again i think we mentioned that before because i think jacqueline was saying that is like there's no rule that says it can't be so I feel like it should be able to which yeah. is how really cool would that awesome be if she wins a fearless <laughs> again yeah exactly oh, she already won that bad. for album of the year that year that would be crazy wouldn't it that'd be amazing amazing I think that would be a first too I don't think anyone's ever done that I think no. one person re-recorded their music I think for a similar reason but back in like 2012 I have no idea who it is but obviously he didn't want to Grammy, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know how that works with the award shows and whatnot. Yeah, there's definitely some red tape they probably have to cut through. And for her, definitely, there's probably <laughs> like some serious barriers that she's going to have to break through, knowing her a lot. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you guys again. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having Thanks me. Thanks for having it's us. so fun. Love being on the On Rotation podcast, so I can come back anytime you want me to. 
Of course, of course. Anytime we talk about Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) First in line, first in line. Thank you so much, Dave. And that's the rotated review. Want to join me for the next review? Send in your suggestions to theonrotationpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter at theonrotation or Instagram at onrotationpodcast. Make sure you hit that follow button while you're at it. To read this review fully, see my blog, or listen to past episodes, log on to onrotationpodcast.wordpress.com. And now it's time to take a look at what popped this week in news. Over the past weekend, BTS's Dynamite hit 1 billion views on YouTube, marking the fastest ascent to that level by a K-pop group. The video gained a record 3 million concurrent viewers during its premiere and was the fastest video to reach 10 million views in its first 20 minutes of release. The song itself has spent a record 18 weeks atop the Billboard Digital Song Sales Chart. Selena Gomez is hosting Global Citizen's upcoming concert that will help medical workers, specifically in poorer regions of the world, receive COVID vaccines. Vax Live, the concert to reunite the world, will feature performances from Jennifer Lopez, Her, Eddie Vedder, J Balvin, and Foo Fighters. The concert will air from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles on May 8th at 8pm Eastern Standard Time. And Mick Jagger mixed his frustration, exhaustion, and humor with the pandemic into his new song Easy Sleazy featuring Dave Grawl of Foo Fighters. The Rolling Stone frontman sings about refusing to try a TikTok dance, falling down in samba class, and even challenges conspiracy theorists. Jagger said his main motivation for writing the song came from seeing, quote, a light at the end of the tunnel in a lot of countries. That's gonna do it for this episode. Feel free to tune in next time when we rotate through a whole new slew of topics. In the meantime, keep it real, y'all. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.